Hey, so welcome to the podcast. This is evangelismpress.com. My name is Paul Perkins, and today we're going to have Andrew Bobin on the podcast. He was a youth minister in Southwest Virginia for seven or eight or so years. And we're going to be talking about Kermit, Kanye, and nudity. Yeah, you heard that right. So we're going to be talking about Kermit, Kanye, and nudity. Glad you tuned in. Hey, listen, by the way, if you haven't checked out our website, it's evangelismpress.com. That's evangelismpress.com. Go there, check out articles on youth ministry, on evangelism. You can check out this podcast. We have a place uh, there on the website for all of our podcasts. Be sure to check it out. God bless you. Later. Hey, what's your uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie, Andrew? Uh, it's super controversial, but it is a Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh man, you just completely blew my mind with that one. Thank you. A Thank Muppet. You. What year was that? Uh, don't quote me on this, but I think early nineties. <laughs> Every year since me and my wife's been oh. married. Yep. We watch them up at Christmas. Oh, my goodness, man. I never saw that coming. I was just throwing you a fluke question out there. We're definitely airing this to your shame or mine. I don't know. But a Muppet Christmas. Hey, remind me of the plot of that bad boy. So Kermit, I mean, what happens? Tell me the truth. (laughs) All right. So you have Gonzo and and Rizzo, of course. And Gonzo plays the uh, the Dickens narrator characters. So he talks oh, yeah. to you. He breaks fourth wall. He talks to you. He even quotes from from the book a little bit. Um, let's see here. Who is Scrooge? Is played by um, Michael Caine, made popular as Alfred in Batman Begins and Dark Knight and all those things. So he's Scrooge. Uh, Kermit is his worker. Um, uh, Cratchit, Bob Cratchit. Let's see here. <laughs> The two old guys who hackle everything, they're the Marley they play the Marley brothers, his dead partners who come back oh, to man. haunt him. Man, it's good stuff, dude. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I need to dust that one off. Hey, so at some point in your dating, your courtship, you both were like, Hey, this is us right here. This this is this is a part of it right here. That every Christmas, this is. I mean, how did you wind up knowing you both like this movie? I honestly don't remember it because it's just been there. Like it's it. Like I said, we've literally watched it every year. So I don't remember if, like, we were dating and we were like, oh, we should watch this, or if it was like, hey, I I I know I've always enjoyed it, or if it was like our first year married and I was like, we're watching this as part of our Christmas. Like at some point, you know, you get a whole month to do to do something, and uh, and so you know, she was like, "I love this too," and so we watched it, and <laughs> yeah. So every every year we try to watch like one movie a week, but that one is like the one that is that's the one. That's the favorite. Hey, yeah. um, these these Christmas movies like Christmas Vacation. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, there's the I guess the PG version that's on TBS or whatever. Um, it's not necessarily, obviously it's not Christian. Can Christians watch stuff like that, Andrew? I mean, what's your opinion on that kind of stuff? Man, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I haven't really, I need to, 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 to really think about that as I watch my Christmas movies this year, because I think the thing that we 
mess up on is we'll think a, a, a Christmas movie or really any movie is appropriate based on images it shows and language it uses. But I think you can get in a lot more trouble with the story it's trying to tell. So it, it's Christmas movies walk a really weird line because they are Christmas movies. And so the name of Christ is right there said, you know, all the time, but you know, what is it, what does it circle on? Is it, you know, being together for the holidays, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, or is it like finding your own happiness? So I, I'll be honest, um, like family vacation, you know, the, the national Lampoon's Christmas vacation, uh, it's one that we've enjoyed in the past and, and we'll probably end up watching it this year. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I personally think probably one of the best ones is, is Elf, just because you get this like childlike wonder element in it that he shows to everyone else. Once, once again, like you said, it's not Christian. Like he's not talking about Christ. You know, he, he obviously went, you know, lived at North Pole. He's Santa Claus is, is real in this, but he is his ability and desire for everyone to see past their uh, right in front of you, touch it, feel it world into a world that's bigger and better and magical and, and, and has more joy and things have brighter colors. And that, I think that's a pretty Christian idea. Yeah. I, I think that's a stretch for some people if they don't know what we mean by, or you hear my dogs barking in the background, but this is what happens when you do podcasts with, with five kids and several dogs. And so anyways, back to the task here, but you know, there's a lot of folks, I guess, especially in the Bible belt that haven't really been exposed to this idea that you can recognize the beauty in something, even though it's not overtly Christian, you can still see the beauty. You can see those undertones and it points like Lewis, C.S. Lewis says to another world. Yeah. Right. And so you're not saying it's like a gospel track, but what you are saying is you can see, you can recognize beauty or you can recognize these sort of themes and you can piggyback off those human condition themes to see once again, the human condition in the Bible and the answer to it. Hey, something I want to throw at you. The, uh, Something that got me thinking recently, Andrew, was Kanye's album. And I know Christians will heap some coals on my head for this, but so I, I'd grown to be kind of tired of Christian music. Mm. And, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time like kicking the Christian music, you know, horse or whatever, beating the Christian music horse. But just to leave it there. I just got tired of Christian music. A lot of Christian music. I, I can't say I got tired of hymns. I still like hymns and I still like the message. I like the theology in hymns. Um, and just reading hymns is, is a good exercise of devotion. Right. hundred yeah, percent. But, uh, but Christian music just, I, I know it doesn't all sound the same. It just wasn't my thing. I, you could see like this element of, of beauty in secular music even if the message wasn't overtly negative, or like we we're saying, or overtly positive, you could recognize a lot of beauty in non-Christian music, just the ability to play instruments, maybe the vocals. is, is kind of like recognizing the beauty of a bird singing outside your window. It's not necessarily Christian. It's not necessarily secular. You know what I mean? It's Absolutely. Not, either way, so you can recognize that beauty. But Kanye, when I heard 
just recently today again, some of the lyrics just kind of astounded me, you know, and he's, he's not shameful about it. And, and God used that. He really did. He used it in my life after years of studying this, that, or the other, whether it be theology or Bible devotions, it's amazing what God can do by sending uh, the beauty of music. It could be the beauty of film. But even in that, I, I recognize today, even what we're talking about, that that God can send something your way and you can see his beauty again fresh if we're not so close-minded that we just aren't willing to see it, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think a lot of um, more recent translations, or maybe not even translations, but in how the they've structured uh, the Bible. Like when I was growing up, every Bible I read, um, you know, read words of Jesus, two columns on each page, and every verse had its own start, you know. And now you see translations that have those verses sectioned off um, based on maybe a paragraph that they feel like is in a chunk, you know, and things like that. And you also see some translations um, start um, recognizing the poetry of of the languages that you know were used to write the new and the old testament and so we see that um art played a part in in god's word that um it wasn't just um all uh, a story like the gospels or like a lot of the old testament it wasn't all um a letter of instruction like we see paul um there's a real art form in in the word of god um, and and that that's powerful that God would use different mediums like like poetry, like song in the Psalms, like um, letters of instruction, like storytelling in the Gospels, and then of course Jesus being a storyteller of parables. Um, God uses the uses art um, with His Word to 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 really help capture our hearts and our minds. Yeah, it made me think of like today. I just pulled into the driveway. I was thinking of Tertullian, the early church father, and something interesting about him when he was converted, he sort of denounced all philosophy. So it was like a really philosophy drunk culture in his time. And, you know, you may remember him. He's the guy who coined the term Trinity itself. So the concept was found in the Bible, but Tertullian's the one who sort of came out with that term. And so we've got that, we inherited that term from him, but you know, he came out and he did something a little different. So he was, he was so well connected with philosophy in his time. And philosophy was kind of like the politics of his day. And it was kind of all in one package. You know, you had sort of the political overtones of philosophy and the philosophical parts themselves, the intellectual arguments so there was a certain amount of, of just, you know, wh- what team are you on? Or there was a certain amount of almost like we do with sports teams or, or something like that, something to that effect. And even though we can study in our time philosophy and we don't see any evil in it whatsoever, to at least understand the ideas that thinkers have had and all of humanity that is, so far as we have tracked them, Tertullian comes out and he's like, hey, look, I'm just repulsed by this now. So he just calls out philosophy, says it's super wicked. What got me thinking about that, though, Andrew, is this. Like, he went to a completely opposite 
extreme on something that we might not have, like the Muppets, the Muppet movie. You know what I mean? It, it'd be like <laughs> me saying, Andrew, those Muppets are from hell. You know, they, they, you can't watch this Muppet Christmas. You're doomed. You know, you're going to fry, you yeah. know, for this or whatever. And I mean, he went, he went way out there with it. I, I think he did. It's from what I can read. On the other hand, I read a man who loved God so much. And you read his works on prayer. I mean, he had some fiery language. He was a lawyer. So, he's, I mean, he's trained kind of with a gift of gab there. I mean, he's a great speaker. Had to have been. I mean, you couldn't be a lawyer and those, you'd get laughed out of the courtroom. Yeah. So he, he had to have those skills. But here's, here's I'm going to draw this in here. What hit me was today I found myself thinking once again, even back to my conversion how I just kind of despise secular, secular music at the time, 20 some years ago, I despised secular music because that's all I'd ever listened to. That was what music was to me. Mm-hmm. And then the moment I was converted, I said, hymns only for me. Right. Right. And then I was exposed to um, sort of contemporary Christian music. And for me, it sound it sounded and no offense to anybody listening. I'm just being no philosophical import here. I'm just being completely honest. As just a country boy who had listened to to speed metal and everything else, when I heard contemporary Christian music, it sounded like a cheap knockoff to me. Yeah. Okay. And it sounded like people were trying to lean in and sweet talk the lost world, whereas really the lost world just needed to get saved and. So to me, it was kind of, I had that effect like Tertullian had, kind of like, hey, look, I don't want to have nothing to do with anything, this, this loss that I used to be a part of. And then the Christian, the contemporary music, I thought, what use is this? Yeah. Like the hymns, hymns is where it's at. Then today I had the same thought again. I'm getting to it here, Andrew. The same thought again. I was thinking, man, I don't really have much use for secular music. When some Christian is playing stuff that's so good and is so Bible drenched, missions minded. Granted, I mean Kanye is a young Christian. He's he's probably going to make some mistakes. Nobody's saying he's perfect or the music's perfect. I just found myself warmed that way. Do you find yourself that way from time to time, feeling like, hey, listen. Maybe I'm I'm too connected to the world, even if it's not secular, if it's not sacred, maybe I don't want any part of it. I don't know. I lean that way a little bit. I'm starting to lean that way a little more. And I don't mean like a staunchy conservative, conservative sort of mindset. I just mean like a, I don't know, man. I just love to hear those truths of God coming out of the mouths of people when in, in song. Don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, especially with, and maybe our definition of early con- contemporary Christian wouldn't be the same because of our age difference, but it sounded what? like. What, wait, wait, wait. What, what was that? <laughs> so I'm, you're I'm a lot just, older. You're, so yeah, you're a lot, I'm a lot, a lot more, a lot, lot more experienced than this. Yes, um, I, I won't hold your age against. Go ahead. <laughs> but on. I think it, it, it really did at first have this feeling of like, when your grandparents are trying to use hip lingo and it doesn't like, you're just like, you sound ridiculous Mm. grandma, you know? And, (laughs) and so the hymns, like if, 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 if your grandparents talk, 
a, a real message, if they're trying to tell you that, that drugs are bad or something, but they use some weird lingo that, that, that they don't really understand and they're like, dope is whack, you, you don't take that seriously. <laughs> yeah. But if they, even if they, they don't use words that you would have, if, they, if you know they're using their words from the heart and they say drugs are bad for you, it might not be the way you would have worded it, but because you you sense their realness, you're drawn into it. I think hymns hymns can do that. You know, like these so. when mm-hmm. we see it, it's not the language of our time, and it's not even sometimes in a style that would be duplicated now. But it's so authentic and so real that that you kind of that, that you respect it and you're drawn back into it. And early contemporary Christian Christian music, especially, kind of had that that grandma talking about drugs weirdness it was just it just it it sounded like it was trying to be something that it that it had no real relationship with Mm. and it just sounded so phony it sounded so knockoff it sounded like straight to vhs not good you Mm. know wow and and it's no we're not knocking grannies here right i mean it's oh of course not not. but but the the language i guess we uh, uh you know what we mean if you're listening and, and uh and so no offense to uh grandmas out there listening but yes it's it and it is that way i there was something i was trying to think of I, before we started talking about knockoff music but oh just back to the hymns man i don't know i find myself drawn lately more and more back to the hymn book and it's the theology. If we could get where we could sing hymns good again, I mean, you know, I I don't mean that ugly toward anybody, you know. I guess we all can make a joyful noise, we say, but but man, I I feel like there was occasions in the church where people put a lot of heart and time into even training terrible singers like me to, to at least train, and I think that's important, like. So let's say you're you sing like me, and I don't know how you sing, Andrew, but I, I'm not the best singer. So it seems like the the early church, maybe, or I don't know, I don't know enough about this subject to say, but it seems like some people would say, "Hey, uh, Paul, maybe we should train on your singing a little bit and, and give me a few pointers," because some of the older churches, and I mean older churches, I don't mean like the ones you grew up in. I mean two or three or four hundred year old churches, you know. Music was a big deal there, and they passed yeah. down sort of a tradition. I wasn't there, and I don't have the recordings, but you get the idea that the people put some time and some effort into it. So I find that to be amazing. Hey, what do you think? Though? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, if you look at some of the history, uh, especially of – I can't speak to all hymns, but um, of early Christian hymns, you know, um, Oh Holy Night, um, those type of things, uh, these were – pieces of art that were commissioned by a local church or by a group of local churches um, to be uh, entertained, entertaining uh, on Christmas or, or New Year's or sometimes even Thanksgiving, and we've kind of pulled it over. Um, but these were pieces of, of, of art to, to not just be kind of handed out to the congregation to be sung, but to be um, – heard well like they didn't want this to just and you can even tell that i think when you sing some like so i think we kind of all churches kind of go back to the hymns around christmas time because they're just so beautiful uh you can even feel that i think in some of the songs like you can tell this song is meant to be bellowed out by baritone in echoey stone walls not you know sung by 
200 people just kind of half-heartedly, you know, in this little wooden shed, you know, it, it, it really is kind of have that big yeah. vibe. I, I think recently, like some of the songs we've, we've had at church, like, I, th- I think it's ain't no grave is the name of it. But, um, and our, our music leader, Sheena there, I, I think that song, you can see a lot of beauty in that. It's almost like there's a resurgence of people looking for beauty, you know, and and I yeah. can start to see that in, in Christian music now. So there's songs that we'll hear. Um, we always joke with one of our worship team guys, Kurt, he, uh, he'll pick one out, but man, he usually picks some that sound good. It's really hard to find the theology and the sound. And I think that's what the old hymns have. If, if we could learn how to sing them, you got the theology and the sound like you're saying. And I think a lot of the modern ones, you might have one or the other, but I, I can see in the church, some of the, some of the songs we've sang lately, you can see some of both. And yeah. So I find that exciting. That's what I saw with the Kanye. And I know a lot of our listeners are country folk and they're thinking, you know, Kanye, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? What are you doing listening to this? But it's just a, it's, it's an age thing. It's a culture thing. It's a theology thing. It's very much a theology thing. And you and I know that some of the, the reasons we're okay with something is because of, of theology. And um, it's, it's, it's because of, of beauty and things like we're talking about really evil just because it's not something we're familiar with but um anyways you know i didn't plan on rabbit trailing down here um any other comments hey what's your thoughts on any any of the subject we're talking about man hit me with something what you got in your mind on some of this stuff well while we're hitting on this uh conversation of of hymns uh what are your thoughts on on the beliefs of the the people who who wrote the hymns. So like one example, I was talking with a group of friends recently um, just about uh, songs that we were listening to and and songs that we enjoyed singing at church. And, uh, and it came up that I saw the light was Mm -hmm. written by Hank Williams, you know? And so that, that took a couple of them by, by surprise, this idea of this, this song that, that we sing in church, very, very kind of country hymn feeling, uh, but it was written by uh, not um, someone who may have been theologically sound or uh, maybe in a good place in his life. I don't really know what part of his life Hank Williams wrote that particular song. But uh, what are your thoughts on the the beliefs of the people who who write the songs having an impact on how we should sing or appreciate their uh, the, the the song itself? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think that they should be Christian, but that that might not always be the case. I mean, what if I mean, God used the donkey, right, to speak. God uses God uses um, even wicked leaders sometimes. I mean, he's providential in in that sense, not because of their wickedness, in spite of their wickedness. Right. Right. And and so. I'd say first, my, if I'm going to give you a theological answer, I'd give you that God is sovereign. He can use, he can still use uh, things that, that aren't necessarily made by Christians. Now, that being said, the odds of good theology coming from that mouth are going to be, are not going to be so hot. And I don't know the rest. If you were going to use that song specifically, I don't know that song well enough to say that it is, you know, necessarily good theology i i don't personally know that song well enough 
Um, I remember listening to some 20 years ago or so, Michael Horton, and he was talking about hymns. I wish I had a couple more examples, but I don't just off the cuff here. But he was talking about just classic hymns. Um, I, I guess that song's Come to the Garden. But anyways, he, he talks about feeling, not that Christianity shouldn't be a, 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 a relationship with God and feeling, but I remember listening to one of those episodes and, and they were discussing how that, that much of, let's say, this hymn or some other hymns are not rooted in theology and not rooted, in, I guess, necessarily in truth sometimes. But uh, not to say that there's not a piece, though that God couldn't use. I, I, I kind of look at it too. So just to argue on the other side of the fence, I mean, how many times have you shared the gospel and did a terrible job of it? Right. Oh, you know 100%. I mean? And, and so there's that too. There's that element. I mean, there, you know, Hank Williams may have, if he did write that song, as you're saying, he may have had a really godly mom. I don't know his history on that sort of stuff. So he may have been exposed to a ton of good gospel truth. Right. Right. So just just to argue the hypothetical, like it's hard to peg down and say, absolutely, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. And so there's so many scenarios I guess we could go through. If they had done something overtly horrible, then I probably wouldn't have want to s- sung that song, right? Just to, yeah. because of the reputation. But obviously nobody knows some of that stuff, you know. And so it's, it's interesting what God will use is what I would say. It's definitely interesting. And uh, even in the Bible Belt, if somebody were to write a song, there's probably going to be a few kernels of the gospel in it just because of the exposure of where we live, you know? Right. So, anyways, that's what I'd say about that. It's not a very good answer, but but uh, God, can use, God can use anything. Hey, what was the reaction when you threw that at these folks? Um. It was kind of mixed. I mean, um, it was probably a group of about six or eight of us. And so, like I said, some of them just, just didn't know. And so trying to figure out how to think through that. Um, and then how does that relate to to other worship music? And, and someone, I don't remember uh, who brought up the idea of, of a person's uh, trajectory. Um, is it different if the person writing the song is a worship leader versus someone who is genuinely trying to walk out a Christian life but isn't doing it uh, necessarily well, but they are trying, you know, we, we all have things that we struggle with and things that we are going to mess up on. Um, our theology is going to change uh, and, and mold with our life uh, a little bit. And so does that, does that somewhere, matter? Yeah. You know? Somewhere Calvin makes this argument, even on receiving, I know Luther does in a few places, but Calvin makes this argument, even on receiving the Lord's Supper, even if a wicked priest or whatever, somebody that's not godly gives out the supper, it doesn't, it doesn't nullify the supper itself. Mm. So that, which is really shocking to me, you know what I mean? But he's trying to say that, that, that moment is, is not about the, the priest or the, I guess the priest in the Catholic church that he was talking about, or even the reform, you know, pastor might not be the most godly or whatever. Maybe they're in a parish or a church at some far corner of, of whatever European country is his scenario, I guess, in the, this question. But um, that's interesting too, isn't it? 
because yeah very much so so that's that's back to the same sort of principle it doesn't like no if if it's good in itself and then it's good in itself you know so anyways hey i know we rabbit trailed around a lot of this stuff and this is just kind of banter back and forth about uh movies so where do we draw the line andrew bowman i think that's a big question is so if we're going to be entertained whether it be music movies or whatever where do we draw the line in your opinion on entertainment i mean you're you've pointed out you've stabbed me a few times about how much younger you are than i am how <laughs> if you're young very young age um how do you think about that so there's so much digital material out there Oh yeah. Try to th- try to throw me some theology too, man. Like there's so much digital material, there's so much on television. We've got a zip 900 something channels or whatever. Um we've got Disney X ex- the uh, Disney app just came out, right? Yep. So there's my Christmas Carol's on there by the way. If anybody wants Christmas to check that Carol's out. Christmas Carol's on there. Well, there yes, you go. We should get some 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 uh giving to the podcast from Disney for that. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. We got some commercial finances coming in. Um, so what's your take on that? Like, where do we draw the line in your personal opinion? I've got mine, but you've got yours. You're a little younger. Where, where do you draw the line, Andrew? I, I think you, you have to draw the line at um, primarily conscience, influence, and overall story or overall message um, context uh, or conscience in the sense of what, what, what feels comfortable to you. If you're feeling like this may be too far of a line, um, listen, listen to that. Uh, I don't think, wait, let me interrupt you. This is a mm-hmm. conscience that's informed by the word of God, not just your feeling or opinion, right? A hundred percent. And it's not to be okay. used to judge someone else either, of course. It's it's not to say, well, this makes me uncomfortable, but I know uh, the person sitting next to me at church watches this show or that movie, um, and and that makes them a bad person. No, we all have our own conscience, its own way. Um, so what may what may ting your heart from your background may not ting someone else's. Right. Now, would you agree? I, I know I'm, I'm cutting you off before we get to all this, but I like I think there's never like an appropriate time for nudity. I think there's never appropriate time for pornography. I don't I don't think there's an appropriate time for a lot of stuff. I think some scenes you might see like uh, some soldiers, they may exchange language. I don't think we should be like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe, you know, people cuss or whatever. They're going to be cussing in the grocery aisle today when I was walking through to this grab a box of cereal people were cussing you know what i mean i i don't think we should glorify that i don't know do you you know the distinctions i'm making what's your thoughts on that yeah a hundred percent um i've i've heard the the argument that um nudity may be the only thing um especially in live action, of course, that isn't simulated. Even cuss words in a movie are simulated. If, if a guy calls another guy um, a, a, a word that we wouldn't normally use, he's not actually calling that guy that thing. The character in that movie is calling that other character that thing. If That's their true. actor's mm-hmm. worth any bit of their salt, then when the director says cut, they're not going to be upset at the other one because it, was, it wasn't 
actor saying it to actor, it was character saying it to character. But in nudity, if someone if someone takes off all their clothes to the other actor, you're seeing you're not just seeing that character's body, you're seeing that actor's body. There is no there is no cutoff there. There is no, well, this isn't his body. This is the character's body, or this isn't her body. It's the character's body. It, it is her body. Like th- there is no removal there. And so you, you can't fake that. You can't walk away from, from that. And that, that's a, a big deal. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no, and, it, and it's going to have, you're going to carry those images with you. And that's what yes. us guys know, but it's not just an us guys argument, the females too. Like there's no, there's not a right place for that. And the, the right place for that is between the husband and the wife. And that's the biblical. In other words, there's no conscience on that where you're like, mm, I don't know. What's your conscience on this? Or my, like, that's not a gray area. This is not an area where we're kind of like, ah, I'm just not quite sure about this. I have no business looking at pornography, period. And I, and I think, um, I mean, we need to be quick to come back out and at the risk of sounding like Tertullian that I talked about earlier to go completely the opposite direction, I find myself more and more, once again, going in the opposite direction, being the stick in the mud, being the guy that says, hey, listen, I think there's some things we need to draw the line at. I'm not going to, it's not because I'm, I'm old minded. It's not because I'm antiqu- antiquated. It's because I believe, it's not because I'm a Pharisee. It's because I want to please God. And I want right. to love God with my mind. And I want to love God. I want to love my wife. I want to love my children and the influence there. I don't want to be scared of science. I'm not going to be. I don't think you should get rid of everything. But I, in these matters, I want, to, I want to keep close records with God. And I want to please God with what I'm doing. That's my mindset anyways. If I can't please, you can't make an argument to please God with pornography. Do you know what I mean? And you can't make an argument that something's not pornography when it clearly is. And, and so I see what you're saying. I remember um, Denzel Washington made that same argument about, um, you know, when he's doing that role, he says he's a Christian. I don't know him, but you know, he speaks as a Christian. He says he's a Christian. So I don't have any reason to question it, but he says when he's playing a role, you know, he's playing that role. I find that to be very difficult. I can't imagine how difficult that would be, even if there's profanity or whatever going on. Um, and so whenever the, you know, director says cut, then, you know, of course he goes back to his, his life. That's very difficult. That's a fine line right there, brother. Yeah. It's a fine line. I, I know what you're saying. I know what he's saying. I agree. Like you got to be able to do some things. It's like Shakespeare, you know, it's not like, he was trying to make, you know, things that were not real life. He was trying to make plays that were real life, but also he was trying not to be vulgar. But you got to throw enough real life in there to know that it's a real world we're living in. But there's a fine yeah. line on all that stuff. So I don't know. I'm getting more to the place, Andrew, and I don't know about you, and maybe you comment on this and we'll go, but. I'm getting to the place where I'm starting to pull away from more. And I don't think it's like the, I hope it's not in my mid forties, the senile mentality of, you know, forget <laughs> everything you know, or whatever, but I'm starting to, I'm starting to see it because of another reason again. Yeah. 
And this is what I missed in fundamentalism. This is what I missed in, in legalism and in Southern Christianity. It was usually don't, you know, don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew, don't date girls that do, you know? Right. And, and, but there was never a reason like why it was just, you shouldn't do this. Yep. And now, now the more I'm drawing closer to Christ, I'm starting to feel like, Hey, I want to please God, man. And when, when you please God, it's not like I want to please God. Now get out of my way. It's more like I want to please God cause I can tell it pleases God. Like I, I, I've got a relationship with him. I can tell it's, this pleases God, my father, you know, who I know through the Lord Jesus Christ. This pleases the Holy Spirit who dwells within me, right? There's sort of right. concurrence between us and God that, you know, you're being a, a, a son or a daughter that aims to live for, for him. And so that's my mindset on this. And the Muppets, I think I can watch the Muppets, I guess is what I'm saying. There's a lot of stuff. I find myself pulling back from anyways, any closing thoughts for you? Do you, how, do you feel the same way or what's, what's your thoughts on why you kind of recoil and pull back from a certain amount of media nowadays? Um, it's, it's primarily um, influence. Like I find myself, if I'm consuming something or a style of something a lot, I'll find that it will shape how I, I feel or think about a thing, even if I don't realize it's doing it. So if I, watch a lot of stuff with with language in it um then maybe i'll be prone to use language if i watch a lot of stuff where uh people are being killed even if it's not uh bad let's say i'm watching a lot of um documentaries on on wars um it could affect me to the point of of seeing death of an individual as a number or as a statistic and not the real loss of of a life. Um, and, and so how, how does that influence, you know, uh, how I feel and, and how I, I think that's the thing that I find I have to be most on guard for because it's not nearly as, as obvious and it can sneak up on me. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you're watching the Muppets. Yeah. Uh, any other, what's, what's number two, what's the second movie as we're, as we're getting off the podcast here, give me, give me the other one. Give me the other favorite, Chris. Is there a second? Is there a number two? I mean, I feel like, and it really is good. <laughs> I think it's just the cliche answer. Uh, of course, um, Charlie Brown Christmas is fantastic mm -hmm. and, and gospel centered. Like it's, it's really just, it may be the most gospel centered Christian uh, Christmas movie. Man, um, that's hard to beat. It's hard yeah, to beat. Charlie Brown's hard to beat. Yeah, it's good. And then, but if you, if we're, if we're not, if we're taking that one off, it's kind of like I feel like choosing the Bible when someone says, "What's your favorite book?" So if we're going to pull the Charlie Brown off the table, I would say itself. Like I said before, this idea of uh, a world with more magic than the people want to see or believe, and this character that to everyone else seems absolutely crazy and maybe is a little bit um, like super he's not letting the world change him he, because he's, he's right. Like he knows Santa is real. He knows that this magic does exist. So he's just not going to care what they think. He doesn't get mad that they don't understand. He just doesn't really care. He's like just wrapped up in, in the world that exists. And, uh, and that rubbing off in a really good positive way to, uh, to shape others. He doesn't browbeat them into seeing Santa Claus is real or faith is good. He just keeps walking deeper into that. And so I think there's like some real good Christian tones in that. I like that. Cool. Excellent. 
Hey, brother. Hey, so you're having family over tomorrow. Uh, just so our listeners, we didn't the intro. We're doing the intro at the exit here. So we're talking with Andrew Bowman today, and he's joined us for the podcast. Andrew also is just going before the Lord. So keep him in prayer. His wife, Felicia, Calvin, young son, Calvin. And they're, they're just in prayer about where God's leading them next. Andrew has served. For how many years, Andrew? Eight years or so, seven years or so as a student ministry leader, right? Student yeah, yeah, pastor. between seven and eight. So, um, and now you just sort of have an open door to see where God leads. So we're going to keep you in prayer, and, and uh, I hope you enjoy the holiday season, my brother. Thanks, man. You too. Y'all have a Merry Christmas. All right, man. See you, Andrew. Bye. Glad you tuned in, and I'd say, hey, check us out again for some show notes. There should be a transcribed version of the podcast up on the website, evangelismpress.com. Have a great day. See you.